1: Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. My name is Kyle Bruce, and I'll be your moderator for today's show. I'm joined by co-authors Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage, our experts on managing techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can make a difference. Today's topic for discussion is how managing to make a difference requires managers to prioritize one-on-one meetings with employees. This topic comes from Chapter 7 of Larry and Kim's book, managing to make a difference. We're also going to use the last segment of today's show to cover several questions listeners have sent in. So stay tuned. We may be answering some of your questions later in the show. So the most effective meeting is a one-on-one meeting, Larry and Kim. Why are these so important?
2: Uh, Why have you written about them in your book? Because experience and research have both established that when you really want to make a difference. When you really want to move things forward, it's one-on-one meetings that do that way more effectively than group meetings. I mean, look at any senior leader, any president of the United States. I mean, we, we if you're paying attention, you know that President Trump is hosting the president of China, and they're going to meet face-to-face, one-on-one. And that's been the case with all presidents, that the one-on-one time that they have with other leaders is the time that really moves things forward. And in business, I don't play golf, but a lot of business is done on the golf course. And one of the reasons is people can be there one-on-one with each other where things can really get done. And Kim Turnage has included in the book Reference to some research that's been done on this topic. Kim, would you like to summarize that research? Well,
3: I want to talk about some new research that came out um, even since the book that speaks very directly to this, Um, there was a great article in Harvard Business Review just a few months ago by Ryan Fuller and Nina Shikloff from uh, Microsoft, who were able to analyze some data, really big data, from a couple of Fortune 100 companies. And they got very clear results that those people who get twice the number of one-on-ones with their managers relative to their peers are 60% sorry 67% actually less likely to be disengaged in their jobs. By comparison, people who don't get any one-on-one time with their managers are four times more likely to be disengaged than their peers. So that's really clear, you know, right there in a nutshell, research evidence that one-on-ones make a huge difference.
2: Well, let me chime in there. Because as we all know, engagement and retention are hot buttons, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what business you're in. Everybody is looking for ways to increase employee engagement and improve the retention. And here is as practical and down-to-earth tactic that anyone could ask for is the more one-on-one time a manager spends with his or her direct reports the more engaged those employees are going to be and the less one-on-one time they spend the less engaged and i'd like to to bring to mind some parallel research That Every year, research is done on why employees choose to leave, which is obviously the ultimate disengagement when somebody resigns. And every year, every organization that does the research comes to the conclusion that the number one reason people leave an organization is they're out of relationship with their direct boss. So this couldn't be more practical. Every single listener who is listening to this podcast, can start doing this tomorrow.
3: Now, if you want to get more practical and you want to think about how research helps you with the how, you know, exactly how should you do this, we do have some things um, from some research from the Ken Blanchard companies. Um, And this this is the research you were referring to earlier, Larry, that we talked about in the book. Um, You know, one of the questions you ask is, well, how often? right? How often should I meet with people? That research suggests that 89% of the people want to meet at least once a month. Interestingly, only 73% actually get that once a month, one-on-one
2: with their leader. I want to remind our, our listeners that individualizing this is supremely important. So you're going to get it right most of the time if you suggest monthly meetings however there's 11% of the people that that doesn't that's not their that wouldn't be their first choice and so i i encourage everybody to start with the question how often would you like to meet i, I had a i had a direct report in one of my former lives when i was a vp of hr i had a direct report who wanted to meet every day just for a few minutes and it made a huge difference in her attitude, her engagement and her productivity. So it's as as we talk about some research here, that's true generally, but you have unique human beings reporting to you. And I encourage you to, to make sure you're doing it in the way they uh, receive it best rather than just relying on what the research says.
3: Absolutely, and that same research actually, you know, 89% of the people want to meet at least once a month, but among those people, over 40% of them actually would prefer to meet once a week. So asking is your best bet.
2: What else does the research say from the Blanchard companies?
3: Well, another question that a lot of managers ask on a very practical basis is how much time is this going to take? And the research says that nobody needs your whole day, which is good news, right? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but most people need about 30 minutes to an hour. That's what they're looking for. Um, a, a smaller percentage, about 25%, are going to be happy with 30 minutes or less. Only 10% want more than an hour. So really, if you're in that 30-minute 30, 30 to an hour mark with people, you're, you're meeting their needs.
2: It, it's pretty hard for any manager these days to find 30 minutes. Let's say you have seven direct reports. It's, it's hard to find even 30 minutes once a month. And God forbid they want more frequency or more time when you meet. Uh, how, how would you respond to that, Kim?
3: Yeah, it's hard to find that time, but it might be the most important time you spend because how much time are you going to spend to replace one of those people? So that's one question I would ask. The other thing I would say is that, you know, when we coach managers and leaders, Larry, we have this conversation all the time. Look, you have a certain amount of time and you can't get any more. You have to manage it very effectively. This should be a priority. That's the title of the chapter, make one-on-ones a priority. This should be a priority how are you going to find the time to get that 210 minutes a week if you supervise seven people or 210 minutes a month?
2: The way you're going to find it is you're going to
3: put it on your calendar. It's going to be a rock.
2: (laughs) It's going to be a rock on your, yeah, it's going to be a rock in your schedule. And Mm -hmm. my point of view about this is that every single listener is currently making decisions about how they're going to spend that that time and as you say you don't get any more time you have to manage it and you're making those decisions now and whether or not you have time to do this it's a decision it's not that you don't have time to do it I know it feels like you don't have time to do it but I'm I'm just going to say blatantly and crudely you have time for the things that you think are important you make those decisions and you make time for that. So in in addition to what you what you get out of having the one-on-ones, the fact that you make this decision and you stick to it and you prioritize these meetings sends a very, very strong message to people about how important they are and about how significant they are. And we've talked about this previously. So these things that Kim and I are teaching. During this podcast, all of these separate things fit together like a suspension bridge. There isn't any one of them that is the silver bullet to making you a star manager. But the more of these you do, it's like a suspension bridge. They support each other. So please, if you're not currently making at least once a month, 30 minutes to an hour, for your direct reports make a decision give it a try for a while see what happens so kim and and larry let's say our
1: our listeners are, are you know they've they've made those rocks on their schedule you know they've got these meetings set up but What's the most effective way to actually conduct a one-on-one? You know, okay, I've, I'm going to have this meeting, but, you know, what, what should we talk about? You know, what, what are the topics we should cover, and, and what's the process for doing that? You know, okay, yeah, I can set the meetings, but um, what do I need to go through? What do you make sure I, I need to make sure I check off the list, so to speak, of the questions I should ask to make it an effective one-on-one meeting? Kim, how do you get started?
3: Well, you get started in a couple of ways. You ask some questions. I think one of the things you always have to do, and I'll give you a, a little spoiler alert, we're going to tell you a really good way to get started. But one of the things you should do in that process as well is to ask people what they want to talk about. There should always be some openness in that process to what they want to talk about so that you're not completely guiding that conversation.
2: And you don't have to get locked in. So you may start with a certain mutual understanding about what you're going to talk about, and that may, that may evolve. And at the beginning, it might evolve quite rapidly. Uh, so you don't have to stick to that mindlessly, stick to that plan. You, you, you have to be aware of, of what's important to your employee, to the person who reports to you. At
3: the same time, we have something that we have used well, I should say, Larry, you're the expert at this. I think you've probably used this 10,000 times in your career Um, (laughs) that we call a career investment uh, discussion that is, it's a certain set of questions, not very many that seem to work really, really well.
1: You know, Kim, I'm going to cut you off for just a second. We're going to go into a break here in just a few seconds. But I think right after the break, we're going to talk about uh, what that set of questions is and how it works and how you can implement it. Uh, in, within your own organizations so uh, everybody please join us after the break and we learn a little more about a little more about why managing to make a difference requires managers to prioritize one on ones and also um, our radio show is a lot better when we have some listener feedback so if you have questions or feedback please uh, just uh, simply click on the email host button above the podcast description and we'll work some of those topics into our upcoming podcast and hey se- um, segment four today we're going to answer a lot of those questions as well and if you haven't ordered your copy of managing to make a difference yet it is available on amazon and barnes and noble to pre-order your copy today so join us after the break
4: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Engaged cultures bring more productivity, innovation, higher retention, better customer satisfaction, and profitability. And having the tools and knowledge needed to become a cultural change agent makes you the champion. So get plussed. Join Talent Plus for a day on site with us or at your corporate office and walk away with at least 50 benchmarkable ideas you can implement immediately. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com.
1: Welcome back and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference this afternoon. We've been talking to Larry and Kim about the importance of one-on-one meetings with employees and why we should prioritize those every day. And right before we left, we talked about a structured set of questions uh, called a coaching investment discussion. And I'm going to turn it over to Larry to tell us a little bit more about what
2: that is and how it works. And before I do that, I, I want to acknowledge that as we were going to break, you heard uh, a phone ringing and that was a a panicked group of managers wondering what the heck they were going to do during this one-on-one time. So now we get to give you some specific guidance on what you can do from time to time. We're going to talk about something called the career investment discussion. And you hear me shuffling my papers here so I can get to my, my notes about that. A career investment discussion is a qualitatively different conversation than managers usually have with their subordinates. Usually, when a manager is speaking to a subordinate, they are giving some kind of direction or they're giving a suggestion. It's, it's very directive. The, it's about what the manager needs, what the business needs and what the employee should therefore do. The career investment discussion is exactly the opposite. It's not about what the manager needs, it's about what the employee needs. And the manager then has the obligation to see the degree to which he or she can meet those needs. So we recommend that this be done approximately once a quarter. It can be done more frequently, And obviously, it can be done less frequently. But once a quarter seems to work for the majority of people. It seems to work for the managers, and it seems to work for the employees. And in a career investment discussion, I'm just going to run through some of these questions and explain them. The first question is, tell me about your recent successes and high points. It is surprising in my career I've noticed that employees believe that their boss knows everything that's going on, that they, the boss knows what they're doing, knows what their successes are, etc. And that's just not true. A lot of very important information doesn't make it to someone's boss. And when you start out by saying, tell me about your recent successes and high points, if you start this out, somebody might be stymied. We are so conditioned to focus on what's wrong, what we could have done better, et cetera, et cetera, that when you start asking somebody about successes and high points, when you first do it, they might give you a blank stare. It might take a while. I can tell you that I did this with a client during the recession in about 2008, I was visiting a client and I, I met with the general manager of the organization to get clear on what my goals were for my visit. We we're having breakfast. And I said to him, tell me about some recent successes you've had. And he couldn't do it. He was stymied and, he, you know, you don't want to leave anybody in that in that emotional space. So I moved on to other things in in the conversation over breakfast. And about 20 minutes into the breakfast, this gentleman blurted out, I made budget last month. And I assure you, during the recession, making your budget was a ringing success. And that's just an illustration of how focused we are on problems, on putting out fires, on what's wrong. And we don't spend, and we have to be very conscious, therefore, and intentional about making sure that we're also focusing on our accomplishments. At the end of a, I remember calling my boss years ago, uh, and he, we were talking about a couple of things. He said, how was your day? And I said, it was not a great day. I didn't accomplish anything on my to-do list. I, you know, I, I got called to do this and that. And I was just responding all day. And I don't think, I don't feel like I got anything done. And he led me through a little bit of an appreciative conversation. He said, sure you did. I want you to think about your day. And you know, sure enough, when he made me think about my day and think about things that I, I did accomplish that were important, there were some in there, but I, he, I had to work to recall them. So when you sit down one-on-one with somebody and you ask them this question, tell me about your recent successes and high points – you will get information that you will not have otherwise gotten, and therefore you can give them some recognition about this, and, and you can add this to what you know about how this person is contributing value, and it's a very positive way to start off any conversation. The next Larry, question
3: I is, would add to that yes. that not only do you find out what's a person doing, what's a person up to, and where are they feeling successful, you're learning at least as much about what they value about what they're doing because the things that make that list are the things that make them feel
2: successful. Yes, absolutely, terrific point. So the next question is what goals are you working on right now? Very helpful question. If they don't if they can't answer that question, then you have additional work to do with that individual to make sure that they have clear goals. People need clearly defined goals. We, We can talk about that elsewhere in this podcast, but I am hoping that most of your people, if not all of your people, will not have a hard time answering that question. And they may have established some goals that you don't know about. Maybe they recently enrolled in a course at the university. And obviously, their goal would be to complete the course. And you just, that didn't come to your attention. So you can know those things. And, and then, of course, you can figure out ways to help them in achieving those goals. And, the, and therefore, the next question is one of, the important, one of the most important questions you can ask anyone in your business life and your personal life. So here comes the question. How can I help? Four words, how can I help? The employee you're talking to may have a terrific answer for that. They may express a need. And by the way, you need to be taking notes when you're asking these questions. You need to to be taking notes. So you take notes. Here's something that will really make a difference in someone's life. Next question, is there a strength you'd like to use more of? This is a rare question, but man, does it make a difference. People have a wide variety of strengths, and there are times when a particular employee who reports to you has a couple of strengths, and for whatever reason, nobody is capitalizing on those strengths. So they have value they can contribute, and they're not being asked for whatever reason. And part of Talent Plus's, we have a three sentence mission statement. And the second sentence at Talent Plus says talent's expression is dependent upon the opportunity to express it. And so if someone has strengths and they're not being given a platform to use those strengths to add value, when you hear that as their manager, you can start thinking about. Is there a way I can take better advantage of those strengths? That's a win-win situation. The business wins and the employee wins as well. And there's a follow-up question. On a 1 to 10 scale with with 10 being high, to what degree is your potential being maximized? And if the employee gives you any number less than 9, you ask the next follow-up question. How can we move that number up? What do we have to do? Not what do you have to do. What do we have to do to move that number up to better maximize someone's potential? Those are two very powerful questions. Strengths you'd like to use more of and how can we maximize your potential? I see we're getting close to a break here. Let me me give you the next question. Again, a powerful question. What percentage of your time do you spend doing things you're good at and enjoy? If they give you a a percentage that's less than 90, you ask that follow up question. How can we move that number up? When people are in a space where they're doing things they're good at and enjoy, they look forward to coming to work. And they're productive, their morale is high, they're engaged. All kinds of good things happen. When you can get more people spending more time doing things they're good at and enjoy in your organization, and specifically in your part of the organization, if you're a manager, all kinds of good things are going to happen. Quality of work is going to improve, retention is going to improve, morale is going to improve. All those things will happen simultaneously as you move that number up. And asking this question, again, this is the power of one-on-one meetings. You're not doing some survey and finding out that 75% of the people give you a number that's like 50% of their time. Uh, You're finding out person by person so that you can make precise adjustments and interventions into what they're doing. So I'm going to leave it here. We have more questions uh, on this career investment discussion. When we come back, but I'm going to turn it over to Kyle here to take us out to the break.
1: All right, so uh, thanks, Larry, for that list. And you know, and I, one of the questions I have is, you know, why a structured set, and it should always be these questions. And can you change it? And I think well, we should answer that after the break. Uh, so join us in just a few minutes when we do come back uh, with Larry and Kim as we focus on managing to make a difference and the power of one-on-ones. And as I said earlier, if you haven't ordered your copy of Managing to Make a Difference yet, it is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com uh, to pre-order your copy or several. Buy some for a friend. I uh, will be right back, folks. Talk to you in a minute.
4: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Engaged cultures bring more productivity, innovation, higher retention, better customer satisfaction, and profitability. And having the tools and knowledge needed to become a cultural change agent makes you the champion. So get plused. Join Talent Plus for a day on site with us or at your corporate office and walk away with at least 50 benchmarkable ideas you can implement immediately. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: Well, welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. If you are just joining us today, we've been discussing the importance of one-on-one meetings. And as we left uh, for the break, we were talking about certain questions you can ask during one-on-one meetings uh, in a what we call a coaching investment discussion. So I'm going to turn it back over to
2: Larry, who's been telling us about those questions that work in that process. So I have a few more to add to this list. Just want to remind you that uh, we, we closed by... Talking about the question, what percentage of your time do you spend doing things you're good at and enjoy? And then if you get a number less than 90%, then you follow up with what can I do to help you move that number up? And by the way, all of our listeners, I think it would be great for you to answer these questions for yourself. Is there a strength you'd like to use more of? To what degree is your potential being maximized? Uh, It. You know, how much of your time do you spend doing things you're good at and enjoy? It might be a wake-up call for you. So here's three additional questions. The first one is, what would you like to learn? So you've asked all of these other questions. You've listened. You've taken notes. You've had additional conversation based on what somebody has said. And now you're at this one. What would you like to learn? And whatever they say, you write that down. Next question. How are you growing? This is not a question that people hear very frequently. How are you growing? As a manager, part of your job is to help each and every person who reports to you to grow as a professional and as a human being. And chances are they are growing, but no one has engaged them in conversation about how they're growing. And they might not be consciously aware of how they've grown until you ask them that question and therefore they're forced to reflect on the answer, they might be pleasantly surprised themselves. So that's a great question to ask. And there, the final question is, is a very common question. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss? So you have all of these structured questions and then at the end you make sure that this employee gets to bring up anything else they'd like to bring up in the course of it. And these questions are pretty provocative. So there's often something as they they stimulate someone's thinking. And so there is often something else they'd like to bring up.
1: So do you think you should mail these questions to somebody before you have a meeting or do you want to do it extemporaneously right in the middle of the meeting? That's a terrific
2: question. And it depends on the person. A lot of people who reported directly to me, particularly the first couple of times that we were going to do this, a lot of these people really wanted the questions ahead of time. They didn't want to just shoot from the hip. That's not how they're built. That's not their themes. Remember those patterns of thoughts, feelings, and behavior that we've talked about uh, earlier in in a previous podcast. That's not how they're built. So some people want to get the questions beforehand and process them and come up with a good answer. Other people, it's fine. Just show up and, and ask me the questions. So, again, you want to individualize this based on the understanding of who that person is. And so and you've got a
1: pretty structured set of questions here, Larry and Kim. Do you use just these questions in every single meeting? Um, is it Do you change them? Do you, is it important to have the same questions all the time?
2: Why this set of questions? Uh, tell us more about that. Well, A, you can change them. So listeners, if you've been writing down these, and they're in the book, by the way, this, this set of questions are in the book. So uh, if it, you can put your own questions. If there are things that are important to you or if there are questions that have given you some great value in building your relationship and supporting the people who report to you, put them in. Uh, so you don't have to stick to this set of questions by trial and error over years, of doing these career investment discussions, I have settled on these questions that really work for me and the people who report to me. But as, as I've said repeatedly, you're in the laboratory every day. So if these questions are not the ones that create the most value for you, find questions that will. I think if you use these questions, a couple of times with each of your direct reports, you'll be in a better position to decide how you want to alter them. But certainly, there is uh, there's no magic here. There's no there's no outside necessity for somebody to use exactly these questions. It's just that they work.
1: So you take somebody. You you, you have your career investment discussion. Your one on one meeting. You've prioritized it. You've got them. As rocks on your calendar. Well, after you have one of these meetings, what do you do? What's the what's the most important thing you do after these conversations? Obviously, you need to spend some time thinking about what you've just uh, what
2: you've just done in terms of that conversation. What do you do? Well, you act. The most important thing about a career investment discussion, where you're soliciting needs from this individual, you're learning about their goals. You must act. the the Acting on the information is immensely more important than getting the precise set of questions that you think are the best set for you. You've got to have the questions, but then you have to act on the questions and act as rapidly as possible. You want to deliver value back to that person as rapidly as you possibly can. There have been times when I have literally run out of my office because I knew that I could deliver something almost immediately after that person left my office. And a person, I just loved doing that. That person felt very significant when I was able to do that. They knew that I heard him and they knew that I cared about him enough to act that rapidly. And there were times, there there are plenty of times when you want to do something, but it, Right today, right now, I, I, I get that need. I want to fulfill it, but I can't fulfill it today. And what you want to do is remember those things so that when it when an opportunity comes up for you to fulfill that need, you can, in fact, do it. And when a long time has gone by, say, say a month has gone by and somebody has stated a need to me and I haven't been able to fulfill that need, if I pass them in the hallway, I might say, you know what? I know that you told me you wanted to learn more about the finances as they relate to your department. And I just want you to know I haven't forgotten that. I'm looking for a good opportunity where it makes sense to get you into an activity where you can learn about that. And I just haven't found it yet. So that's an action, but it tells somebody you haven't forgotten what they asked for and you still are committed to finding a way to fulfill that need. So that's the most important thing about the career investment discussion.
3: You well, Larry, I would, I would tag to yeah. that and say that if you are not committed to acting on what you hear in those conversations, don't even have them. Because it's worse for someone to tell you what they need and to have you do nothing than it is for you to have not asked at all.
2: Oh, absolutely, and I once had a direct report, say that in my face. She came into my office, in fact, it wasn't part of a career investment discussion, but she came into my office and she very, very clearly stated a need that she had, and I was dismally unsuccessful in getting the organization to fulfill that need from her, and when I, when I had to tell her the unpleasant message that I wasn't going to be able to fulfill that need, she just looked me in the face and she said, well, why the heck do you bother to ask? And man, that just about killed me. Um, So, Kim, you're absolutely correct. If you're not prepared to act on these things, better not to ask at all. And I want to move to an even more important point and that is the career investment discussions and the one-on-one meetings are going to make a huge difference in the lives of the people who report to you. But even more important than these meetings are how you interact with people every single day. It's, it's just like a married person who goes out of their way to create a great anniversary celebration for their spouse. But I assure you, it's how they treat each other on a day-to-day basis that makes a much bigger difference in their lives than the annual anniversary celebration. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. So these are important. They help a lot. But let's not lose sight of the importance of how you treat each person Every single day.
1: So you, can, you kind of bring up an interesting point there, the sort of in your with your spouse, the, the anniversary versus the everyday stuff. So, you know, it, we're reading an awful lot on the news about performance reviews and how that once a year performance review is just sort of being beaten up an awful lot. Can a career investment discussion and talking about successes and those sorts of things, can that replace the yearly performance review and should it, um, in that case, you know, again, the anniversary once a year versus the everyday regular
2: discussions? You We know, could have I a whole think,
3: show on that question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and maybe and may, that's a good – let's make that note because maybe we should. There, there's several, several answers to that question. As Kim said, we could we could do a whole show on it. Replacing performance evaluation, this is my opinion, replacing performance evaluations with career investment discussions would create much more value for the individuals and the organization than, than performance evaluations typically do. I'm not a big fan of the traditional annual performance evaluation because I don't think it creates much value for anybody. And it certainly doesn't improve anybody's performance. Uh, so, however... You bring up a point that many managers will start with something that looks like a career investment discussion, but they just can't help themselves. They get into reviewing somebody's performance and and doing all those sorts of things, and that's not what the career investment discussion is for. So I, I, I'm glad you brought that up.
3: Well, and, and right, well, leads into another show at some point where instead of telling people what you think happened as a review there's also a different way to do it where you ask them how they think things went and that's how you coach them
1: great point so we're going to take a quick break here folks i know you all want to hear more from larry and kim and when we come back we're going to answer some questions from our listeners so stay tuned we've got some very interesting questions for larry and kim coming right back to you after the break
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
4: Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Engaged cultures bring more productivity, innovation, higher retention, better customer satisfaction, and profitability. And having the tools and knowledge needed to become a cultural change agent makes you the champion. So get plussed. Join Talent Plus for a day on site with us or at your corporate office and walk away with at least 50 benchmarkable ideas you can implement immediately. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter. And people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values.
1: Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. This is our final segment for this podcast. And as I said earlier, we're going to dedicate this to questions from some of our listeners. Um, So I've got a question here from Fiona. And she says, some uh, managers worry about issues that aren't as important or as critical. What would be some of your advice to help managers overcome their need to control some of the menial, you know, the menial situations and, and get busy helping their employees feel significant instead of focusing on uh, the unimportant things? Perhaps maybe some of the the
2: day-to-day menial tasks. My advice is don't worry about it, don't sweat the small stuff, don't worry, be happy. There's a whole song on that. They should listen to that song every morning. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, Kim, what? How, how can we help? How can we help people not get so wrapped up in the small stuff that doesn't really make that big a difference?
3: Yeah, I think, I think sometimes when people get wrapped up in the small stuff, they're trying to control things that they should trust other people to make happen. And so when you know your people and you know what they're good at and you know where they're sweet spot is, you can stop worrying about some of that small stuff because you know they've got it.
2: Yeah, and and many of our listeners, uh, for every good reason, have a strong desire to progress in their career. And in many cases, that means taking on more and more responsibility. And if you don't let some of these things go, you will limit yourself into how much responsibility you have. Because if you try to control everything, you're not willing to delegate, which involves trusting somebody to get it right. You're going to limit the amount of scope that you can handle because you're going to limit it to the things you can control. And by the way, control is an illusion anyway. We could probably do a whole show on that. So people think they're controlling all this stuff, but, uh, But they're not. So at some point in time, you've got to take the risk and trust your people and not obsess about the small stuff. Not everything is going to work perfectly. Mistakes are going to be made. And they're going to be made whether you try to control everything or whether you don't try to control everything. People are human. So you have to get yourself in in the right frame of mind and for some people it's just not easy some people worry about everything and that's something that if if you're one of those people that's something for you to work on and you'll find out that if you don't worry about a couple of things the world will not stop spinning on its axis things will go on and you can pay attention to more important stuff
1: all right, I've got another question here from a listener named Sammy, and, and uh, she says, statistics say that when people leave a company, it's not because of the job itself, but because of the manager. Let's say the company promoted an individual to management, but as time goes on, they see the individual does not have the talent or aptitude to do the job effectively. What should the company do at this point as they've already promoted the person? Kim Olly, do that is, as
3: quickly as you can. Yeah, the the answer is undo that as quickly as you can. Um, I work with a client who has, in some ways, kind of mastered that philosophy. They have had a number of times uh, when they have moved people into a role of greater leadership responsibility, and it has not worked out, and they have made it easy for that person to move back into the role where they were very highly successful with sort of like no penalty. It's kind of like a no harm, no foul um, philosophy, and everybody's happier. Larry often says the first person who's going to know that someone's unsuccessful is that person. If you as the manager see that that person's unsuccessful, they probably already know it. They already feel it, and they would like a way out to. So you can figure out a way to do that with grace and with concern for the person so that you can maintain them, retain them in that role where they were so highly successful and also provide those people who they got moved up to manage ineffectively with a much better manager so they can be most effective.
2: You know, Kim, well stated as always. It so happens that I had a conversation with a friend of mine whose husband for the last few years had been promoted from being a sales rep uh, to being a manager and he just went back to being sales rep the the endeavor of being a manager wasn't a terrific fit for him and he chose and the, and as you say he he's fortunate enough to be working for a company who allowed him to step into the sales role rather than stay in management and and get fired because he wasn't performing at the level he should have been performing. And, you know, the, the, this is the issue of making sure people are in the right fit for their talent. And when you're not in the right fit and you're struggling to be successful in a role where you don't have the right gifts to perform with excellence, I can tell you your health is going to suffer. Your relationships with your family are going to suffer. You're going to feel an immense amount of stress. And this is going to express itself in some very unhealthy ways, which could include things like high blood pressure and other sorts of physical illnesses. So it doesn't do the person any good to leave them in that role. It doesn't do your customers any good. And it doesn't do the other employees. And the other employees are looking to you. To make that change, as Kim said, as as soon as you know this isn't working out, the other employees are looking for you to take action. If you're the person who can take action in this case, they're looking to to you. And if you don't do that, people are going to start losing respect for you as a manager if you don't make that change.
3: Well, and that point about suffering cannot be overstated. Because when you have moved a person into a role as a manager, at that point, you're not only managing their suffering through the decision that you make. You're managing the suffering of all the people who now report to them, and you have to undo it.
1: It's sort of when you, you know, let somebody go or move them roll, and everybody says, wow, about time you did that. You know, the <laughs> suffering is, is there and it's, it's well alive. Well, uh, those are all really great questions from our listeners. And we've got a few more and we'll get them in the next podcast. But uh, we're getting to the, the end here. Um, I do see that our next podcast is going to be titled Do Not Make Relation Conflicts w- Relationship Conflicts Worse. Uh, Larry or Kim, you want to give us a little bit of a preview before the end of our
2: session today? I'll give you a little preview. In many cases, organizations believe that managers ought to be creating better relationships among the people who report to them. And in many cases, that's not the right expectation for the manager. So, uh, and this particularly happened to me when I was a director of human resources and you know, employees and their supervisors were having problems with each other. Uh, they expected me to help them sort through their problems.
1: All right. Well, that's our show today. As Larry starts choking, uh, hopefully I don't have to give him the Heimlich maneuver. Yeah, I'm all right. Right. Uh, so that's going to be our show today. Uh, please join us next time to learn more about, about uh, how... Uh, Managing to make a difference does not include uh, making relationship conflicts worse. Uh, So that's our show today. Big thanks to our favorite radio show hosts, Larry and Dr. Kim, and their insights on impacting one-on-one meetings and how to make a difference with your employees. Hey, uh, just a reminder out there, if you do have feedback or you've got questions, hit the email host button on the podcast description, and we'll get to those in the next show. And don't forget, Managing to Make a Difference is available now for pre-order on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. We'll see you next time for more tips with uh, Larry and Dr. Kim. Until then, manage to make a difference in those around you every day.
4: Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Pluses, Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.